1: As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football.
1: Tough blog podcast. Hey guys and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host Anthony Pagnotta with you guys as always and today we are taking a look at one of Carolina's transfers that they landed in the portal here recently. It is Armani Chapman, the Virginia Tech transfer cornerback who will be bringing a lot of experience and will hopefully be able to help a Carolina cornerback room That was eviscerated by the transfer portal. Of course, they lost four guys there. It would have been five if not for the return of Day-Day Hollins. But still... The unit lost a lot of talent as well as a lot of experience, and so Armani Chapman will hope to sort of neutralize a little bit of that. But what exactly is Carolina landing in him? And we had to ask that to Carter Hill, a guy that has done just a ton of stuff. He works for Hokie Sports, uh, which is the official account for Virginia Tech Athletics. He also does some work for Tech Sideline, which has been covering the Hokies since 1996, and does work for Tech Lunch which is a site that does some blog writing about them. He also hosts a podcast, Gobbling Them Up, which covers everything Virginia Tech Athletics. And so we had to enlist his help to sort of get a feel for what Armani Chapman is bringing, and that's the first thing that we had to ask him, what exactly are the Tor Heels getting in the sixth-year veteran corner?
0: You know, he was at Virginia Tech for the past five seasons, but he really actually is no you know, stranger to change because in his five seasons at Tech, he had three defensive coordinators and three defensive backs coach. So in 2018-2019, Bud Foster was the defensive coordinator. Brian Mitchell, who is now at NC State, was the quarterback's coach in 2020. Uh, Justin Hamilton took over as the DC and then coming in was Ryan Smith who is now Northwestern he was the cornerbacks coach and then this past year it was Chris Marv calling the plays defensively well Brent Pry was calling the plays defensively but Chris Marv was technically the defensive coordinator and then on top of that you bring in Derek Jones who is your cornerbacks coach so he is certainly for somebody moving on yeah he's been at Virginia Tech for five years but he, he's had quite a bit of change for somebody who has been at one 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 stop for five years so he does have a lot of experience he started his high school career at bayside high school in virginia beach so he's a 757 guy moved on to catholic high school so i'm sure he knows quite a few guys over there in chapel hill right now with who they have and the amount of guys they brought in from the seven five seven, even though they may have lost a couple in the transfer portal this past off season, but you know, kind of waited his turn. Came in in twenty eighteen. That was the first year, I believe, off the top of my head, where it was like they they instituted the the four game redshirt rule. So he played in two games that year. Didn't do much. But in twenty nineteen. Kind of took a little bit of a step up. He started in three games in a really good Virginia Tech secondary. That 2019 Virginia Tech team was a win away from going to the ACC championship. They lost to UVA in Charlottesville for like, it was like the only time Tech has lost to UVA in the last 18, 19 years. And uh, so they, they were a pretty good group that year. But he made three starts, played pretty well, played behind guys like Caleb Farley, who is now, well, he's a future first-round draft pick for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, He's now with the Titans. And then he also played behind Jermaine Waller, who didn't work out in the NFL but was a really solid uh, collegiate corner. And then he played beside Divine Diablo as a uh, tech-starting safety, who is now – Really lighting it up for for the Las Vegas Raiders at the linebacking position. So kind of waited his turn. 2020 came around. Had a pretty solid year, actually, that year. Uh, 32 total tackles with 24 solo, which is pretty bizarre to think about, actually. Made six starts that year. Missed a couple games due to COVID. 2021, production-wise, maybe took a little bit of a step back, but still made five starts. 13 tackles. He led the team in pass breakups, had a big interception against Georgia Tech that sealed the game last year down in Atlanta. And then this past year kind of became the guy, right, early on in the season, especially with Dorian Strong. He was injured and was kind of the guy until about halfway through the year when Monster Delane, who's a star true freshman, kind of stepped up in competition 18 tackles this past year big interception versus boston college actually grade wise when you look at the pff grades, didn't have the best year but that bc game was his best performance so yeah a veteran guy who can step into the cornerback position and probably start right away for carolina
1: well, the, the question that I think a lot of people have is, you know, in terms of his playing style, what are you getting? Are you getting a guy whose, you know, strength is more of a zone cover corner? Is he a guy that can play man up? Or, you know, what, you know, what does he bring to the table and what are some of his limitations maybe?
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because of, like I talked about early on, Virginia Tech has three defensive coordinators in Armani Chapman's Stent in Blacksburg. And so he was forced to play maybe out of position a little bit early on. Mm -hmm. They played more man this past. This past season, they played some zone at times while he was at Virginia Tech. So he's done a little bit of both. I would say his strength is a little bit more when it comes to man, but we'll see what happens there. Because I think when you look at a guy like Armani Chapman, he's a he's an extremely athletic guy and he's extremely strong. He's definitely bulked up as uh, his tenure kind of advanced at Virginia Tech. But somebody who you know decent size, he's. I mean, he stands at 5'11", so that's a little short, but he's up to 2'10 right now. So his physicality level, actually, he he plays a whole lot bigger than he is at 5'11". So it'll be interesting, I think, to see what Carolina does there. But he can adapt to to both styles of play, and he's shown he's been able to do that because of having three defensive coordinators and three defensive backs coach. Brent Pry came in this past year. I mentioned Chris Marv was the defensive coordinator, but Brent Pry was such a defensive guy at Penn State. Or he kind of did his own thing. They played a completely different style than Justin Hamilton had played this past year. People wanted Justin Hamilton to potentially come back just because he was such a big fan favorite as the DC, but just ultimately didn't fit his style. So, Chavin, he can play a lot of different roles. And I think Carolina, especially, they're going to have to experiment with. Him. Experiment. You all would know better than I would, but they're going to have to experiment a whole lot more with some different things with losing guys like Tony Grimes and Cameron Kelly and, and Storm Duck. So I'm excited to see what he does down there, and I think this is kind of one of those opportunities for him to go into a different system and play a six-year and maybe up his NFL draft stock before he potentially goes to the pro level next
1: year. Talking to Carter Hill, writer for Tech Sideline and also the uh, host of the uh, Gobble him Up podcast. Love that, by the way. Um, <laughs> t- tremendous, tremendous. You know, the last thing that I want to ask you about him is, you know, I, I, as I noticed, you know, going back and looking at him, and you talked a little bit about it there, how, you know, when you were going through his seasons, is he a guy that ultimately, you know, can come in and start as you said for Carolina but is he somebody that you should be looking if you're Carolina to find somebody to eventually take over for him throughout the season because it seems like when he's been a starter he's never really been able to be a full-time guy so is that something that you just you think he struggles with or maybe he just you know with all the changes he just hasn't found the right fit in in the systems to be a full-time guy
0: That's a really interesting question, and I think that will be the biggest question mark regarding him when he goes to Chapel Hill, because like you said, I just read off of his stats, and he had that really good year in 2020, but in his two years as a full-time starter, his numbers weren't exactly the same. So I don't know if that's a system thing. I don't know if that's just a fail-to-adjust type of thing, but I think he's somebody that will come in and... I think he will start for Carolina right away, considering all the guys that they have had leave. I know they have brought in other guys from Georgia Tech, from Florida State. So he will compete for a starting spot right away. And you got... I mean, keep in mind, you have two years of starting experience in the ACC, regardless of how well you play. That's that's extremely valuable. And yes, I know the Atlantic and the Coastal are breaking up, but he's going to be familiar with quite a few teams that Carolina has played as well. Obviously, he's going to be familiar with Duke, playing them the past five years, and played NC State this past year as well. So, Armani Chapman, somebody who should be able to step in, and he can start, a, start right away for Carolina. Now, he will need to retain that position. That is something that he did start every game this past year, but kind of took a backseat, excuse me, back in 2021, and then this year was, like I mentioned, the guy, and then when Mansoor Delane, who is a star-true freshman, kind of took over, he kind of slid over from that covering your wide receiver one to maybe more of a depth type of position. So, it'll be interesting, but yeah, no, he should be somebody who can come in and contribute right away, and I think if he continues to play to his potential, and they can develop him even more, and again, this, not to go on this tangent, but... Sometimes when you're a six-year guy, there's so much more development that can happen, <laughs> and um, it should be interesting to see if Carolina can pull anything else out of him that maybe he couldn't, you know, pick up while he was in Blacksburg. But if he can, he should be a solid quarterback for North Carolina, and he's made some big plays in the ACC for quite some time now. And like I said, he's got all the experience, so I'm excited to see what he does down there. You know, somebody who just kind of kind of knowing. Fringe about him, never was in any trouble off the field and didn't do well academically and was pretty well liked, too. So I think he'll be a good good add for Carolina and it'll be interesting to see what he does.
1: Yeah, no, we're definitely hoping that uh, he can bring that to a cornerback room that, of course, lost just a ton to the transfer portal and uh, is still looking for a little bit more consistency. So the last thing that I wanted to ask you, and this isn't related to Chapman, it's it's more of just a general overall um, around the program thing. You mentioned, look, Carolina and Virginia Tech will no longer be meeting every year uh, on the field because of the breakup of the divisions in the ACC, but they will. We'll be battling on the recruiting trail, and uh, Carolina's had a lot of success in the state of Virginia, but Brent Pry is doing a lot of work to try to get the state of Virginia back in his favor. What do you think about the future of the state of Virginia on the recruiting trail? What's the you know what's the buzz around campus? Do, do people feel like Brent uh, Pry is doing a good job of getting that back in the right direction?
0: I think actually this past year's signing class really, really instilled a lot of hope in Virginia Tech fans because it's no secret that down the line on the Justin Fuente era, they really did lose a lot of luster in the Commonwealth. But Brent Fry came in and he didn't get it back right away. I mean, he was very, very public about you know going around the state of Virginia. He was in local high schools. He and his assistants were tweeting out pictures left and right of them, you know, on a private jet or in all these big-time high schools like Highland Springs in Richmond and, and so on and so forth. But I think he's done a really good job as of late. A lot of people around the Virginia Tech program probably would have given this year's class going into December around a C, and with the last two weeks and how many commitments they picked up, it's probably more of a B, B B-plus, which is ironic because this is the first year that Virginia Tech has not signed a 757 kid out of high school since 1992, Mm. which was the last time Virginia Tech had missed a bowl game prior to this year and the COVID year. Of course, they missed it in 2020 after opting out, but at the same time, they added about 20 kids from the Richmond area. And they added some guys who I think can come in and contribute right away. And it's not going to be easy for them in, in Brent Price' system and the culture he's trying to instill. But it's going to be interesting going forward because it's one of those things, too, where looking in from the outside, when you look at Carolina, how much longer is Mac Brown going to be there, right? So, like, how how, yeah. how long is his staff going to continue to be retained? And they've done a nice job in the 757 and the state of Virginia, but eventually I, I think we're going to see a lot of turmoil there. And, and who knows, too, with, with the way some of the guys are recruiting in the state of Virginia on Virginia Tech staff. Like, Fonto Mainz, who played at Virginia, and somebody who, you know, has recruited Virginia for a long time at ODU and, and Norfolk and James Madison – or, I'm sorry, ODU – Richmond and James Madison. You know who? Lo- who knows how much longer he's going to be here with somebody like Penn State, who's always wanted to come in, Florida State, who's always wanting to come in. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting going forward. And I think it'll, it will really depend on how much longer is Mac Brown there, and, and how much longer can mm-hmm. Brent Pry continue to? You know, I guess. I guess a better way to put it is how much longer until Brent Pry can wait until he can put. You know, a fence around the state of Virginia, a fence around Richmond. He definitely took some steps in the right direction this past year, but, you know, he's wanting to pull the right pieces out of the right places, and I think they took some steps forward. They still have a little ways to go, but a lot of progress around Richmond this year and, and just because they didn't add a 757 kid out of high school it's not the end of the world because of who they brought in for Richmond I know I won't go down that whole path because I know your listeners probably don't care about that <laughs> but at the same time too you're adding in some transfer portal guys like Ollie Jennings from, from Highland Springs who's at ODU and mm-hmm. um, a receiver who his name is escaping me right now but he's coming in from Norfolk State and is from Portsmouth so a couple guys from the 757 from the transfer portal but um but, yeah, Brent Price did a nice job this year, and I think that will continue to get better as he establishes a couple more relationships because they still are a year or two behind based on when he came in.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the thing with Mac Brown is, is interesting. I think the other element is what ends up actually happening with, with Dre Bly. Um, because his on you know in terms of what he's done on the field as a coach, it, it, the development has not been there. Uh, there's a lot of people that have issues with the way that he's coached this cornerback room, and he has been integral to their success in the state of Virginia, which has been so key to Carolina's classes the last few years. But I think we can both say Carter, what Penn State is doing in the state is concerning. Yeah. Please, James Franklin, find another state to raid, please. So, uh, oh,
0: yeah. Well, and, and Brunt Fry coming over from Penn State, too. He, he does have a couple true. of his relationships – from Penn State, and hopefully he can, from a Virginia Tech standpoint, hopefully he can um, deconstruct the super weapon that he helped build while at Penn State is probably a good way to put it.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, we'll we'll be watching it. It's going to be a key state moving forward, and uh, we'll be doing battle, of course, with you guys there and with you guys uh, on the field here uh, over the next uh, few years. Uh, it'll be a little bit weird not uh, facing the Hokies every single year. I, I imagine that you guys will think the same thing up there, not having to face the Tar Heels. But, hey, man, I, I really appreciate you joining me. Uh, you do a tremendous job uh, with all the different stuff that you do up there, uh, the, the, the podcast, uh, the writing for Tech Sideline, all that great stuff. So we appreciate you taking some time with us, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year, and uh, wish Armani Chapman and the Heels nothing but success going forward.
1: All right, man. Hey, Happy New Year to you, too, and thanks so much. Take care. The fans, the tradition, the glory, there's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game, which is happening on Monday. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Personally, I'm going to be putting my money down on Georgia. I think they should have this one Pretty easily after they struggled against Ohio State, TCU, I think they exhausted a lot in that game against Michigan. But ultimately, what do you guys think? Right now, new customers can bet $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. Win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings' same-game parlays. I've loved using the same game parlays. You can couple, you know, a couple of different bets together, and when you pile it up, it will get you more money, and it's so simple to use. That's why I use it as my go-to site. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. New customers bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow. And you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack 2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. So we want to thank Carter for stopping by with us. He does a tremendous job, guys. Make sure if you do want to follow him, if you're just somebody that's a general fan of the ACC, or if you do want to keep tabs on the rival Virginia Tech, follow him at CBHill underscore He really does a tremendous job, guys. A great follow. I've been following him for a few years now and uh, greatly appreciate him stopping by with us. Make sure you guys head over to the website HeelToughBlog.com. Speaking of Armani Chapman, you can check out his transfer commitment article where we break down what exactly the Tar Heels are getting in him. And we do have plenty of other articles up there, including the other seven transfers that Carolina is landing. You can check out our signing day recap if you want to go back and look at the class that Carolina just brought in in the early signing class. And, of course, if you do want to go back and see our takeaways from the Holiday Bowl against Oregon, make sure you guys do go and check that out. Uh, There were definitely some fired-up opinions there's no doubt in my mind Carolina needs to make some changes, and we will have a podcast edition coming up here shortly where we will recap the season and talk a little bit more about uh, you know the changes that could be on the horizon here. Mack Brown said he needs to take a little bit of time off. He is going to return to the office on January 6th, and hopefully then there will be some changes that will be made as this Tar Heel team hopes to take another step in the 2023 season. On the basketball side of things, Carolina did suffer a tough loss to Pittsburgh and one that really hurts considering Carolina had been so good in the prior four games, including wins over Ohio State and Michigan. But now Carolina spinning their wheels just a little bit here at the start of ACC play. Now 0-2 on the road. Josh has it covered on the website. Make sure you go back and check out the Pittsburgh recap where we dive into what the hell happened in the Peterson Event Center. And he will, of course, have you covered later on this week as Carolina gets ready to take on Wake Forest on Wednesday night. They welcome the Deacons to the Dean Dome he'll have you covered with the preview as well as the recap after the game is over and you can only find it on heeltuffblog.com. so that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast want to thank Carter Hill for stopping by with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always Go Tar Heels!